G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. You might recall us talking recently about a renewal movement within the Lutheran Church of Australia. Well, at the end of October, there was a significant development at the Lutheran Renewal Conference that was held in Mount Barker in South Australia. Dr. Edgar Mayer, who leads the Living Grace Lutheran Church in Toowoomba, is one of the leaders of the Lutheran Renewal in Australia. He's joining us for an update. Hello, Edgar Mayer. Welcome back to 2020. Yeah, hello. Edgar, how did the conference go? What's your overall impression of those who are part of the Lutheran Renewal Movement gathering together for a conference? Um, when I look back at it now, it's just one and a half weeks. I can't believe that we did it. I can't believe how the conference turned out. I think it's the first type, that kind of conference in the history of the Lutheran Church um, with more than a thousand people turn up. Um, we had speakers that were not just Lutherans, and we we did uh, business with God during that conference, which was quite significant. Now, I don't think you were expecting a thousand people when we spoke last, and we were previewing the possibility of what might happen at the conference. That is obviously a, a huge turnout for you. That is a massive turnout, and there were Lutherans, especially Lutherans, travelling from all states of the nation. But, but then also, not only Lutherans, there were others that were coming. And it wasn't a conference so much where people came for personal infilling. I mean, that happened as well in lots of personal testimonies. But it had strategic intent. It was actually saying something, especially to the Lutheran Church of Australia, but also the wider church. Tell us about what was happening in what was said to the wider Lutheran Church, because this is a movement that's grown up from within the Lutheran Church, and as yeah. we've spoken before, not everybody's happy with the idea of a renewal movement within the Lutheran Church, but uh, what do you think the overall message was for Lutherans? Um, yeah, a number of points. Uh, there's, you know, the Lutheran Church may be like a lot of other churches, we suffered horrendous decline. I think our even official figures have come out. We, we declined by 35% average uh, worship attendance between 93 and 2011. So 18 short years, 35% less in church. And I guess I'm not sure how other denominations go, but we as a denomination have never had a conversation about why. Or we never had a conversation about you know, just asking the question to God, God, is there anything that you're not quite pleased with? And and so this conference, I guess um, we pointed, uh, how, how should I put it? You know, we have this phenomenon in our church, and I don't know how it is in other churches, where we are extremely hostile to testimonies of good things happening. So, you know, I told the story of uh, a Lutheran pastor a few years back, he healed a blind man in Africa. And, you know, in that African church, was a Lutheran church, it, that was a first. It was a first for us. An amazing testimony, 
but we it it dropped like uh like a lead balloon we, it had we didn't give it any air it didn't feature anywhere and it's a bit like that with testimonies and there's a reason for it um and I probably spelled out some of the reasons for it sometimes positive testimonies and it's a human reaction but it's an impossible reaction for a church is that we feel oh why does something like that happen to this person and not to me so instead of being inspired by it we become deflated by it and you know so i talked a little bit about that if we're really a church of grace and we know that we're never good enough for anything that god gives us you know if we hear testimony of someone else what god can do it raises our vision of what is possible and so there was a huge emphasis on becoming hungry again as a church and inspiring belief and faith that there's more for us available than what we have right now. What I can hear you reflecting is that when there are testimonies of the goodness of God in people's lives, and sometimes we think of miraculous things, people being healed, but there's lots of other testimonies as well yeah. about the goodness of God. And when the goodness of God is spoken about, you've broken through something where there was a real negativity, an expectation that things were supposed to be uh, lives filled with hardships and and tough stuff. But God actually does good things, and there's been a real breakthrough as a result of that. that that's right. And, you know, I told the testimony of, of a healing of blindness, but I'm actually talking a bit, uh, even about the basic experience of the joy of salvation or uh, an experience that, you know, there, there's love from God. You know, Ephesians 3, the Apostle Paul had another congregation that struggled with experiencing God, and he just prayed, you know, that God will give you strength in your inner being by the Holy Spirit, so together with all Christians that you may grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of God, and to know this love that cannot be humanly known. You know, that's, I, I, wherever I look, I think that's what we are after. Because um, theology by itself and a good church tradition by itself and all of that, it, it's not, that in itself is not inspiring enough. We really need a touch of God. We need to take a hold of God for our lives. Wow. I think listeners to our conversation will be reflecting that same sort of wow, because oftentimes we reflect on the good news. This is what the gospel is, good news. So the good news doesn't bring a bad result. It doesn't bring negativity in the life of the believer. We we have so much to be thankful for. We are filled with the joy of the Lord. And and so that ought to be our expression because of God's goodness to us. Uh, let me ask you, uh, Edgar, yeah. you mentioned miracles. Uh, there were some miracles that happened at the conference. Yeah, Yes, there were. I mean, there, there was <laughs> some of it was probably a little bit even confronting. Um, you know, certainly for more traditional Christians, we had, we just had a move of the Holy Spirit where joy broke out and people started laughing, you know, holy joy. You know, I, I had that myself probably a few times prior and I saw it happening, but to see it happening on a bigger scale and then, you know, even allowing that attention was there. Um, yeah, it probably made a few people uncomfortable, but you know, then we had a bit of debriefing from the Bible, and, and it's all there. But apart from that, we had one, I think, one young mother. 
she had really bad eye condition, already had an operation, was told she was going blind, was irreversible, nothing could happen. And she just received complete healing on the last night and just couldn't stop crying and <laughs> just being very thankful to God for it. Edgar, um, people are inspired to hear this sort of story. And uh, yes. I want to ask you in just a short while about... Uh, something else significant that happened in the conference. Uh, there yeah. was a a sense of uh, an apology, a repentance, uh, when it comes to uh, Lutherans and attitudes towards Pentecostals. Uh, we'll come back and we'll talk some about that in just a short while. Uh, our special guest talking through a bit of an update on what's happening with the renewal movement within the Lutheran Church in Australia. Dr. Edgar Mayer is our guest He leads the Living Grace Lutheran Church in Toowoomba. Edgar will continue our conversation shortly. We are taking a little time updating what happened just a couple of weeks ago. There was a conference held in South Australia in Mount Barker. And it was a conference of the renewal movement that has risen up within the Lutheran Church of Australia. There are significant things that have been happening with this renewal movement. Uh, We're talking with Dr. Edgar Mayer, who leads the Living Grace Lutheran Church in Toowoomba and one of the leaders of the Lutheran Renewal in Australia. Uh, As we talk through what's been going on at this conference, uh, Edgar, there was something significant because uh, Lutherans and Pentecostals have sometimes clashed in the past and had some different ideas. Uh, What was the outcome of a Lutheran response to Pentecostals in your conference? Um, uh, yes. I'm not sure whether you know Lutherans and Pentecostals clashed so much, but I know from the Lutheran side we had huge prejudices. We used the word Pentecostal as a, a very negative label. Um, you know, if anything was theologically bad or suspect or... Oh, we just had so many labels and we just put them in a corner where, you know, we probably felt far superior to them. And um, I guess it comes out of, out of a personal history um, from our church, for myself. One Sunday, just one week, I sat down to write a sermon, and a totally different sermon came out than what I planned. And the, the message was, you know, it was a message of repentance for us Lutherans always opposing the moves of God. And um, so, you know, we were against the Billy Graham campaigns. We, you know, had Senate resolution. We can't join the, even the preliminary prayer meetings. It's, it's, you know, it's unionism. We call that sinful. You know, oh, anyway, Alpha Course, 40 Days of Unity. Uh, anything that cool wrong sells at the moment, you know, at the moment, we maybe not outrightly against it, but it's a cloud of suspicion. I, I, that's been my ministry all the time, and I just needed one more example to clinch the point. Um, I felt led to include the Toronto blessing as a point which you know we maligned and been against. And I really knew nothing about Toronto blessing at all. I probably just knew Roland and Heidi Baker that were touched by it. I knew some of the um, some of the people that were touched at Toronto and did amazing work in the kingdom of God by accident, I think by God, accident. I, I read the book by John Arnott a few years later that he wrote about that movement. I even heard him by accident preach on the net, and I thought, oh, it's very different from what I thought it was. 
And so on Sunday, I preached that message. I had an open microphone. The congregation repented. We came forward. Toronto wasn't really on our radar. But three days later, I'm at a conference. I didn't even know what sort of conference I would attend. I would just go along with a pastor. And it was actually a Toronto airport, you know, Toronto Blessing Congregation in Australia that put it on. And I got prayed for, and I had a major breakthrough receiving from, uh, from the Holy Spirit at that conference. And then I'm not, you know, maybe overly prophetic, but you put two and two together. And, you know, okay, Sunday we repented, and Wednesday I stepped into that stream. And uh, even prior, we had a guest preacher coming to our church, so four weeks after we repented, and he did a Father's Heart conference. And he was a Lutheran pastor, and he was prayed for prior by a former staff member of the Toronto Airport Congregation in Amsterdam, and he was prayed for, fell to the carpet under the power of the Spirit twice, and he got an impartation of the Father's love. You know, he said all the Bible verses he knew about the Father loving us, they came alive in him. So he, he just got something of the Spirit there, which the Toronto people would say, yeah, that's, that's what happens frequently. That's, that's really what God is doing. And the whole, our whole congregation received. So that was 2008. You know, Toronto... We honored it, but it wasn't really our model or anything. And then a similar thing happened last year um, where I, by accident, discovered the 20th anniversary videos of the Toronto Blessing. They had just a conference with, you know, all the, uh, some big names that were touched by that movement, like, again, Heidi Baker, Bill Johnson, Chay Ann, you know, lots of people that had, you know, for decades, solid, blessed ministry. And I'm watching the video... And enjoying them, and I get a phone call while I'm watching, and I, I have my own ministry shut down. Uh, I don't go into details about that, because I'm supposedly ministering out of the Toronto Blessing. And I thought, ah, oh, that's weird. That's weird. I mean, um, I don't even know how the Toronto Blessing, you know how that exactly works. It's not our model. But I'm just watching the videos, and I was I listened to Randy Clark's testimony of how he got there, and I knew it was a God story. You know, the fear of God is on me. I, I'm not speaking against that. Uh, I get that phone call, and then a day later, I get an invitation to preach in a congregation in Adelaide, which again is a congregation that is directly associated and part of the Toronto Blessing denomination, if you want. There are only six congregations in Australia, and... This pastor doesn't know me. I don't know him, and I get that uh, invitation, and I think, what's going on here? And I realized maybe God wants us to repent again. We did that previously in 2008. We didn't know what we were doing. Maybe God wants us to do it on a, on a, on a greater level, on another level. We did that last year with you know, a motley crew of Lutherans from across the nation, and then we really felt to do it again this year at the conference, and, and you know, hundreds of Lutherans came forward, and they meant it, and they knelt, and they asked for forgiveness from God and our Pentecostal brothers and sisters. And there were people crying. Um, it was such a moving time. It really came from the heart. And then Roland Baker, <laughs> you know, he, he's as Pentecostal as they come. Um, he's actually part of the Toronto airport network as well he then spoke and uh, in jesus name um granted forgiveness and we just went from there 
<laughs> it's interesting reflecting on 20 years since that Toronto blessing because yeah. Pentecostals today, typically, uh, they have their own reservations about Toronto insofar as, you know, ongoing yeah. fruit out of that blessing. And I think uh, that perhaps most Pentecostals today are actually on a page which is where the Lutheran renewal movement uh, is also on, insofar as you're saying these things are there in the Bible that we all read. And uh, and when we think of those expressions, those things that have happened, a move of the Holy Spirit, yeah. uh, what we're reflecting on is actually something more akin to the book of Acts rather than even just things that have happened in recent history. How do you think of it like that? Yeah, yeah that's correct. And I probably want to clarify straight away we, we, I think we were clearly led by God to repent. You know, the attitude, the pride, you know, uh, it, um, we were speaking against something where, you know, it, with all the humanness and whatever, God was in it at the heart of it. And God did something amazing. I mean, there's a reason why hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people traveled to Toronto. So we were clearly led to repent. But I don't think that God means us to, you know, embrace absolutely everything about it or, you know, or become a totally different people. We're still Lutherans, you know. We're still probably more introverted than extroverted. Um, God will have his own journey with us. And we're probably feeding from all the streams. You know, whatever is God in diff- doing in different places, we want to be part of it. The whole body of Christ, we belong to that. So please don't misunderstand that, you know, we repented by the Toronto blessing. Now we want to just become exactly like, uh, I don't even know what they exactly look like. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Edgar, there was something that happened after a time of repentance, and that was the opportunity for Lutherans and Pentecostals and other denominations that were all gathered together to join in partaking of communion. Describe that experience for us. Yeah, so, yes, for for us that was big as well. Um, If if you don't know our, you know, church history, whatever, we we have the policy, you know, Lutheran altars for Lutherans only. So, you know, in a Lutheran church, usually if you're not a Lutheran, you're not really welcome at the communion table. And, yeah, maybe... um, Maybe there are provisions now, and probably in practice it's no longer as strict. But um, I think there's still something uh, that needed to be broken. I probably started off by saying that in 1529, all the reformers in Europe, you know, Luther and the the head of the uh, Reformation in, in Switzerland, Swingley, they were there about 50 and it was all in the face of, you know, a threat from Catholic armies being wiped out. The Protestant movement was on the line. And they they tried to find unity among the Protestant theologians and, and bring the church together so they could actually work together and survive together. And so they, they talked. And um, Luther and Zwingli pretty much agreed on everything except on the, on the precise, nature of Jesus' presence in the Holy Communion. Um, it gets a bit complicated, but Zwingli thought, you know, Jesus' human body, he ascended to heaven, so it's in heaven now, how can it be in the meal? 
um, and and so on. So at the end of it, I, you know, and they they spelled out where they all agreed, and they didn't dumb anything down. They agreed on the Trinity, on creation, on salvation, on redemption, on original sin, on every on everything else. Luther did not shake Swingley's hand, and he said to Swingley and that whole camp, "You're not my brother. You know, you're not Christian." And, you know, just over a difference of understanding the Holy Communion, and I probably, that is big, and that came into the church, that kind of attitude, that kind of hostility and judgment around the Holy Meal. I think something there needed to be broken. And so I just unpacked that a little bit, and my contention would be that when you look at First Corinthians, there Paul is talking to a congregation, and he says to them, your meetings... You know, your worship meetings do you more harm than good. And then he says, it's not the Lord's Supper that you celebrate. It's, so nothing wrong with the liturgy, but it's not the Lord's Supper you celebrate. And in that letter, the, the, the problem was division among the body of Christ. And there were a number of different layers, and especially around Holy Communion. The rich ones came. They were already drunk, didn't pay any attention to the poor ones. They came late. And they, they you know, so one... Some partook of the meal drunk, and others were hungry. There was a disregard of the body of Christ that is constituted around the holy meal. And then, of course, you know, division was rife throughout. The, you know, some, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Peter, I'm of Christ. And, and Paul said, you know, uh, is Christ divided? I can't even address you as spiritual. You're unspiritual with all your divisions. And then he says in First Corinthians 3.16, you know, you together are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So you together steward the presence of God among yourselves and then continues. And if anyone destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him. So if you want to have God against you, you sin against the body of Christ and you bring division and strife and envy and, and separation into the body of Christ. And, and, you know, the holiest place in the body of Christ, especially for, you know, a traditional mainline Christian, is around Holy Communion. And we cannot afford to be divided around Holy Communion. I don't think, according to all I know, God is not pleased by that. So, you know, so I unpacked that a bit and, you know, I gave you the short version. I said a bit more. And then I instituted the meal and we celebrated Holy Communion together. We had Lutherans and Pentecostals serving uh, the body and blood in the bread and wine. It is an amazing story of what happened in this last couple of weeks, an amazing uh, gathering together of Lutherans, part of the Lutheran renewal movement, and an apology, a repentance uh, to Pentecostals. And yes. and as it wouldn't be, I wouldn't think uh, Pentecostals receiving that uh, apology in any sort of gloating way of, of saying, uh, told you so, and we had it right all along. But I suspect uh, there was a humility there on both sides, recognizing the moment of when unity is reestablished between uh, those different uh, denominational flavors. And uh, Edgar, just great getting your insights. <laughs> and uh, no doubt we'll get another update as we go along the way, because there is, as listeners will be able to tell, so much to talk about uh, yeah. when it comes to the sorts of things that are happening within the Lutheran Church. Edgar Mayer, our guest, uh, Edgar leads the Living Grace Lutheran Church in Toowoomba, 
and is also one of the national leaders of the Lutheran Renewal in Australia. Uh, Edgar, thanks so much for sharing your heart with us today on 2020. Uh, Thank you. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.